You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A very information-filled Monday episode for you. We're going to go over my plays uh, for this past weekend. Look at those seven top 25 games in college football. What did we learn from them? Ryan Day loses it on a 90-year-old. The Pac-12, interesting scenario playing out there. I tweeted it out yesterday. NFL continues to amaze. I know people love betting and gambling and the spreads or whatever. In the NFL, the spreads really don't matter. Plus, we're going to look at some streaks in the NFL as well. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right. Had a decent weekend in uh, the plays for the weekend. One in both college and in pro. With one play pending tonight in pro. So I could end up 500 in pro. But college, we went 6-4-1. Hit my best bet in college. I'm now 4-0 in college. Won that with A&M. Easy winner on A&M. At minus 8 over Auburn. Auburn had played three different quarterbacks and I think threw for a total of 64 yards. I don't think they ever would have covered eight points if they could have played 12 quarters. My other picks went 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. You might have gotten a win with Army, but when I gave it out Friday, I said Army plus 13. They lost by 13, so that's a push. Had winners on Colorado State and Florida State, and losers on San Jose State and UConn, both just absolutely trounced in those games. Those games were never close. As for my underdogs... I won with Virginia, plus the eight. They lost by two. Florida International got boat raced by Liberty. That wasn't really ever close. And SMU, plus six and a half. They lost by 17. If you watch that game, it was a lot closer than the final score indicated. Basically, they were only down 10, and they needed a stop on fourth down. They would have gotten the ball back. And instead of just, you know, trying to get a first down if you're TCU, TCU threw not a bomb, but they threw a 20-yard pass and ended up getting a touchdown. So SMU loses by 17, lose that bet. So uh, the good thing is, won my best bet and won both of my three-team 10-point teasers in college. Uh, one of them had the Penn State under 50-and-a-half, only 31 points scored in that game. Washington teased down to 10-and-a-half. They won the game by 27. UAB, I love that one, plus 52 and a half. I knew Georgia had no business winning a game by 53 points. It was never even in doubt. Georgia ended up winning the game by 29, so that was an easy winner. And I'd say the other one was an easy winner. Army plus the 23, they lost by 13. They were never down by 23 at any point in the game. Virginia plus the 18 on Friday night, they were never down. They only lost by two. They were never down by 18 at any point during the game. And Florida State plus seven and a half. They won the game by seven. I think they were down by seven at one point. That was the largest margin. So that's the way I kind of look at those three-team 10-point teasers. Did I get lucky or did I win? But at any point, I mean, the Penn State under was an under the whole way. Washington was never even close. Uh, They routed Cal, and UAB, like I said, was always covering 52.5. So a very good weekend on three-team 10-point teasers. NFL, four and three day, but had some real bad stinkers in there on my losses. The Denver game as the best bet. I mean, put it this way, a lot of professionals in Vegas had Denver. And I think this goes to show now through three weeks, it is very possible with the Miami Dolphins, we are looking at the new Kansas City Chiefs of the last five years. Not in terms of getting to Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls. I'm just talking about an offense that is innovative and has got speed guys that other teams just cannot handle. 
I am not stepping in front of any Miami Dolphins bets the rest of the regular season unless there's a major injury to Tua or Tyreek. They are a either you bet on the Miami Dolphins or you don't touch that game because you look like a fool betting against them, as I did this past weekend. In my other picks, I went 3-0 and with one, play, one pending tonight. Had winners on New England, had winners on Houston, and had winners on Detroit. Uh, the underplay, Washington, now I know it was 37-3, but if you actually watch that game, the game was a lot closer than the final score would indicate. Washington was only down 16 to nothing at halftime, and they started their second half on a drive and threw an interception at the one-yard line. They also had five turnovers in the game. One of them returned for a touchdown. So it wasn't really as bad as 37-3. Washington didn't look good, but I'm telling you, they also got stopped on downs. They had third and goal at the one. Uh, and got stopped on downs in the first half. So, I mean, you score there, it's 16-7 and a half. You open the second half and you drive down. If you score there, it's 16-14, and who knows what happens. But that happens, you lose. So I lost that one on my underdog play of the week. My three, two, I had two three-team 10-point teasers. Uh, the problem is I threw Washington in one of them, and that, and that stunk because Detroit winning by getting seven points. They won by 14. Kansas City under 58. That hit, but I had it to Washington. That was a loser. They lost by 34. Um, and then my Chargers-Vikings special. I, I'm glad I called this out, and I'm glad I told you. Everything I told you on Friday is exactly how that game played out. I said neither of these teams is capable of blowing another team out, and you just know one of these teams is going to fuck themselves, and it's just going to be a matter of who does it. Chargers were up 21-10. The next thing you know, they're down 24-21. Then they get a touchdown because Minnesota can't intercept the ball, and it bounces off the DB's hands right into the Chargers receiver's hands. They go up 28-24. Minnesota's driving two drives at the end of the game, first and goal, and they didn't score in either drive including up down 28-24 with under 30 with 11 seconds left in the game and they throw a pass in the end zone it gets tipped in the air and the Chargers intercept how about that so um, it was it was a winner either way uh, because it was over a total of 44 points Minnesota plus 9 Chargers plus 11 so that was your winner so two uh, one and one on the three team teasers 0 and one on my uh, big bets but uh, or my uh, best bet uh, and on my other picks in the NFL, three and zero with Tampa plus the five tonight. I'm seven and two now on those picks. One and two on best bets. So overall, let me see. Adding this up, I was eight sixteen eight and one going into this weekend. So now I'm twenty twenty six fifteen and two. Not bad. Staying above. I mean, the good thing is. Both of them had winning days. You know, the the good the thing you want to avoid is the is the one in six days, the O for days, and um, the fact that I won in both college and pro that's good. So I hope uh, some of you guys want some money on that. In college football, if you look at the seven top twenty five games, uh, the best games of the weekend, two of the road teams won, five of the home teams won. The only road teams to win were Ohio State and Florida State. Florida State escaped with a win at the end, winning in overtime in Clemson, and Ohio State scored with three seconds left in the game, or else you're possibly looking at seven home teams all winning. Oregon routed Colorado. We're going to talk more about Colorado uh, this week. Bama played well, beat Ole Miss and covered. Penn State routed Iowa. Utah-UCLA was one of the worst college football games you'll ever see in terms of just crispness. Good defense, but my gosh, those offenses were putrid to watch. 
and Wazoo against Oregon State was a shootout. That was probably the best game of the day, uh, especially of those top 25. Because while Ohio State and Notre Dame went down in the final three seconds, it was also 17-14. to 14. Like, after a while there, neither of those offenses were very fun to watch at all. Wazoo and Oregon State was just chucking the ball all around the field, bombs, big plays, 38-35, great, great Pac-12 game. And, you know, I said at the beginning of the show we're going to break down some Pac-12 stuff in regards to this five, this group of five in the Pac-12, Oregon, Washington, Washington State, USC, Utah, and you can even throw Oregon State in there since they only have one loss now, and it was by three points to Washington State. I printed out the schedules of all six of those teams to be like, well, who's got the easiest road? We'll discuss that tomorrow. I want to bring that up tomorrow because it's really important to go over. But all of them won except for Oregon State. And even on the outside looking in, you've got UCLA who's good. They're gonna UCLA plays most of those teams. I guarantee they're gonna beat at least one of them. And as bad as they looked this past weekend, I'm telling you, I still think Colorado is going to beat somebody good. They're gonna beat one of those teams that they play. They're gonna beat, um, you know, in that group of Washington, Washington State, SC, Utah, Oregon State. I don't know if they play and UCLA. I don't know if they play all of them. I didn't print out Colorado's schedule, but. I know a lot of people are going to jump off the Colorado bandwagon. I'm not necessarily going to jump off it, but even when they were three and zero, we weren't saying this team was going ten and two, you know. But they did get exposed. Their line play is just not good. Shadur Sanders has now been sacked 22 times in four games, and they've got SC coming to town this weekend. I know everyone's going to jump off their bandwagon. The line will probably climb. The last thing, the first line I saw was USC minus 24. That is way too much. I I'm I'm thinking of being on Colorado this week because that line is much too tasty to immediately because it's going to go against the public. They're going to say, oh, USC played a bad game in Arizona State. Colorado stinks. Um, we got to bet USC, you know, got to bet USC. Um, if anything, worst case scenario, I'm teasing Colorado up to 34. They're not going to lose by 35 points at home. They're just not. Hell, they only lost by – I mean, if you take last week's game, this past Saturday's game, they lost by, what, 36 on the road? I think they can stay within 34 of USC at home. But that's an early lean is what I'm saying. Uh, Tease minimum, but we'll see what the line movement does on USC and Colorado. All right, moving to the NFL. And this is just the overall grand scheme of gambling in the NFL. I saw the statistic last week, and I've told you for a while, but I didn't know what the actual stat was. I've said, look, when it comes to the NFL, pretty much all you got to do is pick the winner. I know when you look at the games and you see the lines and you're like, oh, my gosh, this team's favored by nine. There's no way they cover. Or they're favored by eight points, and they're, and they're playing at home. Upsets happen in the NFL all the time. It's just inevitable. They're all professionals. You're just never going to have the favorites. If that were the case, if us it didn't happen, then the favorite would cover every game and win every game. It just doesn't happen. The thing is, we don't know which ones are covering on any given weekend. But at the end of the weekend, you should not be surprised really about any outcome. You'd be like, oh, we, what do you mean? You really thought the Cardinals were going to beat the Cowboys? Not really. But did you know that the Arizona Cardinals have now beaten the Dallas Cowboys eight of the last nine times they've played? 
So clearly the car, the Cowboys just have a blind spot when it comes to playing the Cardinals. The last 12 times the Cowboys played in Arizona, they've lost nine. So, and that covers obviously a bunch of years, a bunch of different coaches, and a bunch of different players. So that's something to look at because you get you could easily make the case before the game saying, well, this is, you know, Mike McCarthy calling plays, and this is a new Dallas team that's, you know, only given up 10 points in the first two games. Well, apparently it didn't matter. They just, for whatever reason, don't play well in Arizona and against the Cardinals. Eight losses the last nine times they've played the Cardinals in either location, and the last 12 times they've gone to Arizona, they've lost nine. So clearly, they have an issue when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. And the Cowboys might bounce back this week and blow out the Patriots by three touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. The NFL is a week-to-week basis. You you, You can't overreact on any given week. So my point being, when it comes to the spreads, now I'm recording this at halftime of the Steelers-Raiders game, and it's 13-7 Steelers. But so far this week in the NFL, 13 games have been played. The Steelers-Raiders game is going on now. you got two Monday night games tonight. 13 out of 13, the line didn't matter in today's NFL, yesterday's NFL games. You pick the winner, you won. Spread did not come into play. Four underdogs covered. All four of them won outright. The Texans won outright. The Packers ended up being underdogs because they had three starters out, so they ended up being underdogs at kickoff. They won outright. The Colts won outright, and so it was the Texans, the Colts, the Packers, and the Cardinals. The only four underdogs that won that, that covered yesterday ended up winning the game. So that means for the season, 22 underdogs have covered in the NFL overall. 18 of them have won outright, which means 45 games. As I'm recording this, there's been 45 games played in the NFL this year. The spread mattered in four of them. That's 91%. And when I told you I found the statistic, since 1990, the spread has only mattered in 84%. The spread hasn't mattered in 84% of NFL games. So... You pick a slate of 16 games on NFL weekend, 16% of those, the spread comes into play. So maybe what, two and a half games? 10% of 16 is 1.6, half of that? Yeah, about two games a weekend where you pick the winning team, you pick a favorite, and they don't cover. So it's just something that I'm just going to, I'm going to repeat it and I'm going to drill it into your heads every single week. Kind of throw away the lines when you're looking to pick NFL games. Pretty much pick the team you think is going to win, and they'll probably cover the spread. Now, when you looked at this week's games, did you really think that Houston was going to beat Jacksonville? Probably not. They were 9.5-point underdogs to start the week. But what if I told you, and I should have told you this Friday, I don't remember hearing it. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I read it. I forgot to relay it to you. The Houston Texans have beaten the Jacksonville Jaguars now 10 of the last 11 times they've played them. Different coaches in there, different players in there, but they had beaten them nine in a row until last year's last, the last time they played them last year, and then already this year, Texans beat them in Jacksonville, and it wasn't even close, 34-17. So clearly, when the Texans play the Jaguars, throw out the line. It doesn't matter. So it's... Um, it's why I had Texans as one of my plays. Um, 
but I had forgotten about that statistic. I should have told you that. I don't know if it would have changed people's minds, you know, because I think people just look at, oh, they're the Texans. Oh, they have a rookie quarterback. They're not very good. Well, C.J. Stroud, apparently, at least through three games, I'm not going to jump on his bandwagon just yet, but at least through three games, only two quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have done what he's done, which is throw for over 900 yards, throw for uh, three touchdowns or more, and no interceptions. Cam Newton did it, and one other one that I'm blanking on. And he's the only rookie to ever do that. Three games, 900 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's the only rookie in the NFL history to do that. He's played pretty well. Obviously, you got to give him credit for that. But, yeah, going into the weekend, did you think the Houston Texans were going to go into Jacksonville and win, even if I gave you that statistic? Mm, probably not. If I told you that the Indianapolis Colts were going to go into Baltimore and win that game without Anthony Richardson, would you have said that? Probably not. If I told you that the Arizona Cardinals were going to beat the Dallas Cowboys as, well, at kickoff, it was 11.5-point line, as a double-digit underdog, were they going to win the game outright at home? You probably wouldn't have said yes. So that's what I'm saying. After the weekend, we can look at it and be like, wow, I'm just telling you it happens every single weekend. It's just about kind of guessing which ones it's going to happen to. Because if we knew which ones it was going to happen to, we'd all be rich. We don't. But the good thing is, if you are going to bet an underdog in the NFL, you've got to bet them on the money line. You're losing money if you don't. I will tell you that every single week. Can you imagine if you had a 7.5-point dog in Houston on the money line, a 7.5-point dog in Indianapolis on the money line, and an 11.5-point dog on Arizona on the money line today, yesterday? How that would have looked for you? Crazy. But, yeah, 45 games have been played in the NFL this year, not counting the Steelers and Raiders and the two games tonight. And only four times has the spread mattered. Just pick the winner. Don't worry about the spread. And you'll have your result of whether you win your bet or not. And as I mentioned in the beginning in the open, I really think that we have to start considering the Miami Dolphins as – not only early Super Bowl favorites, not only early AFC favorites, we have to start looking at them as kind of the next Kansas City in terms of what Kansas City did in their five-year run with their offense, where when you watched Kansas City games, you immediately knew that they were putting up minimum 28 to 31 points every game. Like Patrick Mahomes was too good. They had Kelsey over the middle. They had Tyreek running wild. Last year they didn't, obviously, but still – offensively you just watch them and they're innovative they do things they put guys in motion they do trick plays they are spreading guys all around the field then throwing you know shovel passes on the inside it's just they're doing all this crazy shit this is exactly what the Dolphins are doing yes the Denver Broncos did turn the ball over three times that led to three touchdowns but take those away and the Broncos and the Miami Dolphins still score 49 points yesterday like it was a video game out there for them. And if you watched the game, you see these things are they're doing on offense. They have got so much speed. I don't know how to defend them. I'm going to start reading some stuff this year, this week and start listening to people who study the game way more than I do and just see what they say about how do you slow down this team? Obviously slowing them down offensively would be to keep their offense off the field. So you, on the other hand, as their opponent, need to have time-consuming drives, run some clock. 
Well, that doesn't always work, <laughs> you know. The Dolphins' offense gets on the field, and look at what they do. I mean, as I said at the Open, barring an injury to Tua or Tyreek, I think they'd be a completely different team if Tyreek wasn't playing. Not that they couldn't score. I'm just saying I think it frees up a lot of stuff um, for the defense uh, to defend them. Or if Tua was out. I'm saying right now, I am not betting against the Miami Dolphins if Tua and Tyreek are healthy going into the game. I am either taking the Dolphins minus whatever points they are laying because I'm guessing they're going to be favorites in every game the rest of the year, or I'm just going to stay away from the game. But their lines are going to be incredibly high the rest of the season. They just are. I mean, this team is, you have to start treating them as the Chiefs of the last five years because of all their weapons on offense. I mean, Tua is the MVP through three weeks, and it's not even close what he's been doing. Man, that team is absolutely loaded. I told you about the streaks in the NFL. Dallas has lost now seven of eight to Arizona, or eight of nine. Uh, seven of the last eight times they played Arizona, they've lost nine of the last 12 times they've gone to Arizona and played there. New England has now beaten the Jets 15 times in a row. That's the why they were in my picks this week. I told you that on Friday. The Texans now have won 10 of their last 11 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Makes no sense because, let's face it, the Texans haven't been good in the last five years, and yet they can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars basically every time they play them. Did you know until this past Sunday the Chargers had four straight losses of three points or less going back to last year? Their last two games of last year and their first two games of this year, all losses, all three points or less. Going back to last year as well, the playoff game against the Giants and the two games to start the season, Minnesota had three straight one-score losses. Well, let's now make it four, losing 28-24 to the Chargers. While I said there would be a regression to the mean for the Minnesota Vikings this year after winning 11 one-run, one-score games last year, 11-0, and I might add you. They had five, <laughs> they had two wins over a score, and their four losses were all over a score. 11-0 and in one-score games last year. They are now 0-3 on the season this year, all one-score games. Happens. It was just never going to repeat itself. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to go 0-11 in one-score games this year, but I guarantee it's not. they're not going to have a winning record in one-score games. It's just, it's just the law of averages. You cannot be that lucky. 11-0 in one-score games last year, then they get to the playoffs, and what happens? The, the most important game of the year that they needed to win in a one-score game, they didn't, and they lost to the Giants. So keep that in mind heading forward. And I don't know what to say about the Chicago Bears. I watched that whole game. Oh, boy. I mean, I enjoyed seeing the 9 billion Taylor Swift cutaways, but the Chicago Bears are an awful awful football team and I don't even know how you look at them for the rest of the year as an organization what do you do do you try and lose games so you can get Caleb Williams because Justin Fields I told you last week Justin Fields is not going to be the starting quarterback of the Bears by the end of the year they're going to give up on him and he did nothing yesterday to make me think otherwise he stinks he's not a good quarterback in the NFL he might not even be a team's backup. He's just, sorry, it's been two years and three games, and he's shown us nothing. He is done. 
And yet the Bears, you know who they play next week? The Broncos. Two 0-3 teams. The Bears are so bad. How bad are they, Steve? The Bears are so bad, they are three-point underdogs at home to a team that just gave up 70 points. <laughs> That's how bad Vegas thinks the Bears are. I'm not touching the Broncos-Bears game this week. I do not care. That game, just if you bet the Broncos-Bears this upcoming weekend, you might have a gambling problem because that game is disgusting. You shouldn't touch it. Both teams stink. You can't predict who's going to win that game. It's probably going to land right on three anyway, and it'll end up being a push. But, my gosh, the Bears are awful. What do you do? Justin Fields can't throw, and they have no weapons. And their defense has given up, let's see, gave up like 38 points in week one to the Packers. Last week, I can't remember who they lost to, but they got killed. Oh, they lost to, they lost to Tampa Bay. They gave up 23 points or whatever. And then this week, 41 points to Kansas City. And Patrick Mahomes didn't play the last quarter and a half of the game. Kansas City could have put up 70 if they wanted to. So just unreal how bad the Bears are. At least I know that the Broncos were competitive in their first two games. The Bears, sorry, they're awful. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review when you get a chance. I'd really appreciate it. Pass it along to your friends. We're having a good year so far. You can't, I can't really complain, you know? I mean, wh- wh- what's the record at? I got to look at it again. I want to I wanna tout my record so far. So I was, what, 18? I was 16, 8, and 1. I went 6, 4, and 1 in college. So that brings me to 22, 12, and 2. And then in pros, 4, and 3 with one game pending tonight. So... 26, 15, and 2 through three weeks of NFL and four weeks of college. Not bad at all. Thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.